Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another edition of On The Continent. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm David Cartledge. Apologies for this, but we're going to have to do it again. Zim Zimmer, who's got the keys to Ben Zimmer? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, somebody's got the keys to Ben Zimmer. Who is it? Real Madrid ride the coattails of King Karim and advance to the quarterfinals. But how did PSG stumble yet again? And Bayern didn't stumble in their own tricky tests as they ended uh, RB Salzburg's attempts to go further in the competition. Are they then the favourites for the competition again? And over at Atletico, well, they seem to have refound that Zhao factor. Even if Diego Simeone is doing his best to stick his nose in, if you know what I mean. Let's start with who's got the keys to Ben Zimmer. Here's a question from Joshua. He sent us a question by uh, through social media. I just want Andy to talk about Ben Zimmer <laughs> for 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm not allowing that, actually. I want to hear David Cartilage talk about Ben Zimmer for a couple of minutes. Why not? I'm, I'm happy because I'm Andy Brassel's disciple. So when it comes to Ben Arthur <laughs> or Ben Zimmer minutes. or João Felix, this is the sort of thing where you can spend 15 minutes. I, I said to Andy, like, let's just do the whole show on one of these guys but yes he was he was incredible El Jefe Street Disciple the Mac Daddy 
<laughs> Karim Mustafa Benzema once again coming through. Just incredible. Just world class once again. But he has been for a long, long time. Yeah, we've always known that. We have. But I still think there's been, uh, we've had a good discussion about Benzema before. I still think there's been a large proportion of people who have perhaps underrated him, not realised what he's been doing the past few years, not realised that he's been, along with Luka Modric, carrying Real Madrid, I think, you know, being the, the focal point, being the face of the club. Um, and, you know, I think we saw as well when he returned for France as well, he, he was he was spectacular there and people were like, oh, Benzema's really, really good, isn't he? Yes, like they've yeah, just rediscovered him. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is his stage and, and, and he's such a, we've said he's such an IQ, a high IQ footballer, he's incredible on the field, what he does. He's not just a centre forward, he's an attacking midfielder, he's a winger still as well, he, he drops off, he, he can lead the line as well, he can he can, he can can do it all and in a game like this, he was, he, he's impossible to mark, he's impossible to shut down, I think, um, because of how how smart he is with his movement. There's shades of that, you, you know, that the enigmatic character who broke through at Leon. That, that that spark is still there. But then there's also this maturity, this refined nature to him now. I think Andy and that that physical improvement as well. I think that's a, a huge part of it. The fact that he's got the brawn to go with the brain. Now. Mm. Uh, I mean, he's like twice the size muscle-wise than he was when he, he broke through his le- uh, Leon as a teenager, as, as, as you say. And I, I, I wonder, we'll, we'll come to it in a minute, I think the question I wanted to ask is why he's ageing better than mm. Messi. Ooh. Because he is ageing better than Leo Messi. And this game really brought that home, I think. There's still much to love about Messi. And I thought some of the criticisms of his performance in, in, in the first leg were, were, were way off. But... I think that the thing with 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 Benzema that's that's so interesting is after a decade at Real Madrid, a first decade at Real Madrid, he's into his second now, of course. Four Champions Leagues, becoming the highest scoring Frenchman in the history of the Champions League, and now he's going to a next level above that. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And the amount he spends on his body in terms of time, in terms of dedication, I think that really makes the difference because he's sculpted himself into something else. So he can do the rough stuff. That, of course, is why he could come back for France and replace Olivier Giroud because before, no one could do what Giroud could do for France with the possible exception of André-Pierre Gignac. Whereas now, Benzema can do that stuff Mm. as well as what he was always able to do. And, you know, Didier Deschamps is a, He's a pragmatist. If he's called him back, he's called him back for a reason. And on a night like this, when, you know, I think we should review it honestly and say that for like a lot of this tie, not just the first leg, a lot of this tie, and we said it on the ramble earlier, for the first hour, PSG, the better team. And for Benzema to rest it back in their favour in the last half hour, of course, he didn't do it on his own. I think the fact that they changed it up, David, you and I were talking about this before, that they decided to, I think bringing on Rodrigo for Asensio was a big thing. Bringing on Camavinga for Kroos, who didn't really look fit and is, is not that mobile at the best of times anymore. All those things made a difference to add a bit of a bit of energy and a bit of power to, to, to this Real Madrid. I think Carlo definitely identified that. Um, I think he made the better changes out of the two coaches. Um, and you could also see he had the better options as well. I think, you yeah. know, Kamavinga, like you said, Kamavinga, Rodrigo 
and uh, throwing Freddie Valverde there as well. It was a nice little combination: athleticism, intelligence, technical ability. It's what they lacked in the first leg. Aggression. They, they, they didn't have enough legs in midfield, did yeah. they? In the, in the first leg. Mm-hmm. And I think, you, 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 to be fair, um, I think Carlo probably, you know, I think in picking Tony Cruz, he probably made a mistake. I don't think he was fit. It looked like he was really, you know, puffing early on. I think um, with Tony Cruz, and he, he rectified it though. He saw the error of his ways, and he, you know, he probably's got a glimpse of. And don't get me wrong, Modric again, who is another absolute freak and t- how he seems to just defy any sort of decline or anything mm. like that. You he know? looks exactly the same as he looked 20 it, years ago. It, it is utterly, <laughs> utterly bizarre. It really, really is. Um, and, you know, it, it, just when you seem to write him off, you write Real Madrid off, they they come again and, and, and that aura about them. And there was probably a glimpse last night potentially of the, the next chapter of Real Madrid with Rodrigo Camavinga, who I thought was absolutely sensational, and Fede Valverde as well. So you got a glimpse of perhaps the future when <laughs> Modric does finally decide to step aside because he looked like he can, last night on evidence, he looked like he could go for another two or three years and, and dominate a few more midfields. But he's probably had the blessing, I think, Modric. And I also think this plays into the question about Benzema. I think... Real Madrid's style hasn't been particularly intense over the past few years. Mm. I think Messi was in a Barcelona team where he was under immense physical pressure in terms of the style that they played. I think mental pressure being the complete and absolute focal point of that team and the hub of everything. So there's a lot of intense pressure there on Messi to constantly deliver as well as the physical aspect. Whereas Real Madrid's style has always been about keeping the ball, reducing the, the heat out of games because they wanted to preserve the legs of Modric and Cruz if they have, as they have aged. So I think that's helped Benzema in a way as well because he's just associated with those. He's dropped mm. off the front line. He's associated with Cruz, Modric, giving them an outlet. So that, that football has always been at a, a nice, a calm level a ser- about serenity. Whereas I think Barcelona were always having to, to push, push, push. You need to, you know, t- take a two teams. You need to thread that pass. You need to do this. You need to increase the tempo here. And it was always on Messi to do that. Look, I'm, re- I'm really sorry, but I have to keep in mind that Joshua, who texted us, he fit the Basel of Jericho, of course, and um, he has said that Andy should get his full 10 minutes. So back to you, Andy. <laughs> um, when, the way that both you and David described the difference in Karim Benzema, it, it sounds like he's kind of a Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of you know where he realises that he has to, what he has to do with his body, particularly as you get older. Mm. Although... David was saying he does everything. And I wonder whether that's part of what distracts people about how good he is. Because he's not your centre forward, is he? He can be a winger. He can be, you know, midfielder, arguably, a number 10. He's playing in so many different roles. And when you see footballers that do everything, you don't, you lose sight of how good they are sometimes because they're not focusing on their specialism. Yeah, and I, I guess that the, the thing is with him is because of the change in his body, which has elevated him to a higher level than he was before in contrast with Messi, for example, um, that buys him the space to bring back teenage Benzema, who was the finisher, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and which which he always was. And of course, the the, the, the the vacuum left by Cristiano Ronaldo leaves the need for a finisher as well. So mm-hmm. he, he has to be the, the 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 central point of that. Um, but you know, he's he's just an incredible footballer. The finish for the third goal 
is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, so much has been made of the fact that it was, what, 10 and a half seconds from PSG kicking off after conceding the second goal to conceding the third goal. But I don't really think of it like that. I think of when the ball comes in and it's not really in the place where he'd want it. No. Uh, the, the pass is a little bit, it's almost a little bit behind him, mm-hmm. but he gets himself in the spot. He kind of almost cranes his leg back yeah. and this sort of outside of the foot shot, he makes it look like the easiest finish in the world. You go back, every replay, it is a better finish. <laughs> and and that, that, that is the sort of craftsman that he is. He's, he's an, a craftsman. He, he, I think he's an incredible improviser as well. I think in certain yeah, situations, exactly. in, in tight situations, you'll you look at him as well. You know, you always remember the famous um, move against Real Madrid when he left, uh, you know, players on his backside when it went to the touchline, and he's mm. a little bit of skill, and he's brilliant at improvising like that, just coming up with something in a, a, a little bit of moment of magic. Oh yeah, in the semi. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it, that was brilliant. And that's typical of Benzema. And I think that just going back to what was said, I, I don't understand why he doesn't get more acclaim for his goal scoring. His goal scoring has been incredible the past few years. He's now the oldest player to have scored a Champions League hat-trick as well. Um, it's 30 for the season. You know, it's always you say, oh, oh, he doesn't score enough goals. And I'm just like, have you looked at his numbers the past few years? He has scored goals. There's probably yeah. only Lewandowski scoring more. I think at some point as well, he was scoring more than Lewandowski. So I don't really understand that argument anymore. That There isn't any argument against Karim Benzema anymore. He is the complete centre-forward he is world class and I think we're going to look back on him maybe 10, 15, 20 years and really, really analyse and assess his game and say, my word, he what a sensational footballer he was for football at the time and the game, how it's played. Absolutely. But I think just as he's getting praise for like continuing to adapt in the back end of his career, I think you can say the same thing for Carlo Ancelotti because mm. Ancelotti is mm. is a star of this as as well. I thought either side of the game they played against Real Sociedad last weekend, a game that Miguel made his his game of the week, which was a great choice because Real Madrid were fantastic. It was one of their best league performances of the season. And what I liked is Ancelotti very publicly saying, "No smoke and mirrors." A coach who's won everything, who has this incredible capacity for self-reflection, self-criticism and self-analysis, which most coaches of that elite level don't. If you look at Mourinho, who is a prisoner to his past, really, because of the methods that were so successful for him not really working anymore. And he's found it very, very hard to get past that. Whereas Ancelotti, where it didn't quite go right at Bayern, he's like, okay, how can I do this differently at Napoli? The things that didn't go right at Napoli, thinking, okay, how can I take this forward in my work and and do something a bit different? He hasn't tried to do the same job at Real Madrid that he did last time either. And I think you look, what he's got out of that squad this season has, has been pretty good anyway. But when it comes to before this game, and he, he says quite publicly, we've used this game against Real Sociedad to work out how we're going to beat PSG in the second leg because we can't play like we did Mm -hmm. in the first leg. We've got to be a bit braver. We've got to press them. We've got to add some physical uh, intensity. And like David said, for that reason, Kroos was probably the wrong choice from from the start. And he he rectified that in the end. It it, it worked out for him. That's what it's about at the end of the day. As long as you see the review is and you change it, then... Exactly. But for, for Ancelotti, at his age, with his trophies, he doesn't have to reinvent himself. But he does. 
He does in a, in a way that people see him as steady and always the same. He's not the same. He's not always the same. He can look at himself and be smart enough to say, right, how could I do this better? Mm. Which to me is remarkable. He's got nothing to prove at his at his age, but he's doing it. I think you're quite right to bring the coach in, but you have to also give a nod to the club. They seem to have made the right decisions. And it might end up being that the winners of the Champions League this year are the club that have managed to extricate themselves out of the pandemic the best um, looking forward. And the treat on this programme is that Benzema's sweet hat-trick wasn't the fastest hat-trick in the Champions League um, over the last few days. We'll come back to that in a moment, but there are a couple of questions. <laughs> no, it's 18 minutes, hat trick in 18 minutes. It wasn't the fastest one. Isn't this a great episode of On the Continent? <laughs> yeah. But before we get there, <clears throat> a couple of more tweets. You can text us at any time, as you know, at Football Ramble, at Dot and Andy Bio, at Andy Brassel, and at David Jacker. Now, uh, this from Stuart. Do you think tonight's result, or last night's result as it is now, uh, for, uh, uh, um, well, against PSG uh, for Real Madrid, do you think it will ultimately make up Mbappe's mind on leaving uh, PSG for Real in the summer, David? I think it's going to have a big say. I think we were discussing it last time as well, and we said, you know, um, about how he might look around at PSG um, and the squad that is there and be impressed with the way that they are going in terms of, you know, um, bringing a few more young players in and, and such and basically saying, oh, he, he's the keys to the, you know, to the kingdom. But yeah, I think this result was that significant that it is going to, it's going to be in his mind. It's going to be, you know, he's going to, he's going to put everything and weigh everything up in his mind about his next move because it's that much of a important step for him, what he does now, because he's either going to sign that contract or keeps him at PSG for the next five, six years, or he's going to have to move to Real Madrid and apply his trade in a new league and also potentially, you know, have the pressure of becoming the face of Real Madrid, one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club, most famous club in the world. So it is, it's a big decision and I think it is going to, I think he's going to look the way it played out as well at the end with um, the Al-Khalafi uh, situation as well, we, we, getting, into it, getting into it with the referees and what have you and, and just seeing the manner as well. I think he's probably, I wasn't in the, we weren't in the dressing room so we don't know what it was like there. I wonder if he's thinking, is this going to be a permanent thing that I'm going to have to deal with at PSG? Is this now ingrained in, in the club's DNA? I'm, I'm, do I want to stay and try and change that? Or no, do I? This club is this is the wall that it's going to constantly hit. I need to move away to a club, Real Madrid, who have that aura about them. I don't know. When you look at the names, it seems like almost sacrilegious. But if you think of PSG next season being led by Neymar and Messi, it feels quite grim. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Which is that's that sounds absurd on the, PSG, uh, without context. Yeah, yeah. Still PSG. But how much did they contribute last night? I realised that the, the issue with Neymar, he needed more reps. Mm. And you know, you saw him at the back end of the game they played against Nice last weekend, which you know, it doesn't really matter in sporting terms because yeah, they lost. They're still thirteen points clear at the top. The bit at the end when the brilliant young Amin Guiri does the rainbow flick over his head. And Neymar gets really pissed off. He's totally powerless at that moment. It's like, well, he's young, he's hardworking, he's won the game, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he can do that. And the, the, the sense of Neymar almost being emasculated in, in that moment, you know, you don't feel as if he and Messi have it in them 
to lead in the same way that Kylian Mbappe can. I do want to move on, but this question, because we've got to look at it from the other perspective as well, what happens to Mbappe, a PSG perspective from Raji, is Leonardo the main problem at PSG? He's a main problem. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, We spoke about it on today's ramble, and I think the magic has has left him. And I, I think... Nasser Al Khalifi is looks. no, no. Al Khalifi is no longer under his spell. I think from the moment that last summer he said, you know, I'm going to take control of the the the, the Mbappe contract negotiations. Mm. It's a sense of I don't trust you anymore. So when Leonardo comes out and backs Pochettino, does it really matter if Al Khalifi wants to fire him? And he will fire him. That's what he's he's going to do. I I, I think it could be. The end for Leonardo. I think after last summer's transfer window, after the fact that this is a team that is still not well constructed, it needs to be. They need Mm. to have a fresh approach. Is it going to be an Mbappe demand in his contract negotiations? Look, get rid of Leonardo. And also, (laughs) no, you brought it up. I thought, you know, it's very key. Look, I don't really want Neymar Messi around here. Get Get me some young... Spire, you know, get me some some young sparring partners. I mean, get rid of those two. Get me a get me a Adeniemi. Get me a Jude Bellingham midfield. Get me a Haaland. That type of thing, you know. I, I love the idea of Mbappe as general manager. <laughs> I guess the problem is, and this is a problem that PSG maybe have more than most. If even if they wanted to do that, how would they ship the contracts? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the marriage between. Neymar and, and PSG, for example, mm-hmm. it's a total marriage of convenience because he's coming to the end of his contract, his last contract, his first contract. It's, it's not worked out how either of them have really wanted. Okay, they've had their moments of satisfaction. The numbers look good on paper, but he hasn't managed to get his Ballon d'Or. He's not even the best player in his team. From their perspective, He's always injured or undercooked when the back end of the Champions League comes about. But it's like, from their perspective, we can't let you go for free because we spent a world record fee on you and you were our first in your prime superstar signing. And from your perspective, well, where else are you going to get that money? Okay, you've had your full 10 minutes. I do like your thinking though, David. (laughs) I do like your thinking. (laughs) Allí otra vez intentando para colocar el centro. Atención, no, Vinicius Junior atrás jugó para Tony Cole. Oh, ¡Pegó! ¡Qué golazo! ¡Vence más! ¡Gol! ¡Golazo! ¡Golazo del Real Madrid! I said that this is such a mouth-watering edition of OTC. You see one hat-trick... In 18 minutes, <laughs> you can only imagine who has uh, trumped that. Yeah, one certain Polish striker for Bayern Munich. 13 minutes it took him to get his hat trick. I'm beaming all over because arguably we are spoilt for choice here. If we're talking about in terms of hat tricks, Bayern Munich's uh, defeat of Salzburg, I felt sorry for Salzburg, to be honest, but when you saw... Lewandowski totally up for it. You knew, but certainly by the second goal, it was going to be a hat trick. We'll we'll come to Bayern. Uh, we'll come to Salzburg in a minute. 
and Bayern overall. But yeah, I think you're right. I think in this striker edition of OTC, we do owe a little bit to, to Lewandowski. And he owes an assist to Maxi Werber because those first two goals, I mean, I mean the, the, the challenge for the, for, the, for the first one, okay, that can happen. He saw the ball. He almost got it. He had to go through Lewandowski to get it. It was a definite penalty. To, to do plow through him again, I know. <laughs> like, like like a couple of minutes later, what what on earth was he doing? You know, to have one of your experienced defenders do that. I mean, Matis Yesler on the touchline. I don't know what he's thinking, but what that got me thinking is not just the the Lewandowski goals, which are, are great in themselves. He is a great goal scorer who you can't purely define by his goal scoring. You talked about Benzema being a multifaceted player. I think that's the case with Lewandowski as well, a player who's also heading to his mid-30s and at his best ever. I think you look at when he creates the space for the final goal by Leroy Zane, that's really interesting because that has got in common with the way he gets Werber to tackle him for those two goals. He's almost... And I'm 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 sorry, David's making me do it because we're always talking NBA before we come on here. <laughs> he is Lewandowski's a little bit like James Harden because he's a great scorer who loves the physical part of the game and solicits contact. And that's why pe- people talk about Harden and all his free throws. That's Lewandowski at, at penalties, and the fact that he loves to battle centre backs and he does that to create space for that Zane goal. And it's an underrated part of Lewandowski's game because you look at the, really? the instinct, you look at the craft of the finishes. He's, he's a real goal-scoring connoisseur. But actually, he loves to fight with centre-halves. And he always has. And that is something that really gives his game more presence and more goals. An extra edge. I think Diego Costa was exactly the same. Yeah. You used to watch it and he, he played his best. He was in the moat when he used to go in his little tete-a-tetes with Sergio Ramos. Mm, mm, mm. And okay, they did some underward things. There was a bit of spitting <laughs> here and there and a bit of jabbing in the face. But you could see they both lapped it up and they both loved it. And they both... And I, and I really like players Respected who... Respected each other as well. Oh, way. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, to, and at the you? end, you shook hands. Or at the yeah. end, like, and nobody said a bad word. Like Ramos didn't come off the field and go, oh, that was bad what Costa did. Costa didn't come off the field and go, oh, that was bad what Ramos did. No, it was on the field. That's here. interesting, like, to, to, to go aside to, to, to them. The, the, when Diego Costa started to get picked for Spain, there was, there was this rumour, wasn't there, that um, Sergio Ramos had refused to be in the Spain squad if... Diego Costa was in it as well. But that was always public perception yeah, because their battles were so all-consuming. It was just, a, yeah, it was it was a strange one. And yeah, I, I like these players, you know, in, in this case, a striker, who that's how they get that extra rise. That's how they motivate themselves. That's really, really good to know that that's what, you know, what drives them. And especially somebody like Lewandowski as well, who has done it all and scored every goal there is to score. And mm. what, there's only Messi and Ronaldo now ahead of him when it comes to Champions League goals that he still has that drive, that he still wants to pick that fight with the with the young centre-back or the old centre-back. And, and you just know that, you know, until he retires, he's going to be wanting to do that. And it's what's kept him going. And, you know, I think whenever, when anybody ever says, oh, what, I think I'm pretty sure at the end of his career, then, you know, it'll go to him, oh, what made you, you know, continue to score goals until you retired? And he'll go, oh, right, there was just always, there was always another battle. 
It was all in that, and I think that's really respectable. Look, as you can see, I've got a huge beaming smile on my face because this is such a fascinating conversation. I, I, Andy's absolutely right. I focused on the hat trick, and not least, I focused on that first penalty, which was Jorginho-like, but he added another twist to it. So the hop, skip, and the jump, the jump is. He uses the same foot that he just jumped with to hit the ball. I didn't know how he did it. I thought, this is amazing. However, you've got a point about Leroy Sane because what I was seeing earlier is there is an understanding now. There is a real, you know, Leroy Sane was always one of those idiosyncratic players, a little bit like Joe Cole. You just let him go off on his own and mm. if it works, it works. But now they are playing together and... For for Lewandowski to be providing for Leroy Sane, Leroy Sane did the oh, that was just a goal, you know, shrug it off as in his goal celebrations. Well, I think you have to when it's number seven, don't you? <laughs> oh, there you go, there you go, number seven. I did wonder about that as well. He, st- he should have still celebrated, I think. But our Bayern, we're talking so gloriously about the greatest, well, one of the greatest uh, centre forwards in the game today. And we're talking about him as a goal provider and doing all these other... So Bayern have got to be up there as contenders to go all the way. They do, but funnily enough, I feel less convinced of their candidacy than I did before these two games against Salzburg. Now, of course, they got the going over in the the, the first game and the Comar equaliser took them back to Munich level. But, you know, a, a lot of people might have seen the highlights to this or just having their minds like buying like giving them a right hiding in the second half but you know what I think you go back to the beginning of the game Bayern were there to be got at yeah and 100%. Salzburg had their chances and you and I were speaking about this earlier Don like in the second minute when Salzburg had that chance when the ball comes in from the left from Adeyemi as, yeah. as, as you were mentioning before who comes across and makes the block Kingsley Comer. Yeah. And to have one of your best attacking players, your third highest earning players, I'm not saying the highest earning players should be immune from making tackles, but to have one of your key attacking players pop up in his own six-yard box to make a block, that to me underlines the fact that in Germany, in recent weeks, we've spoken about before, there's been this discussion of Bayern a too open to go and win the Champions League. I still feel that this is the case. I also feel that Salzburg fluffed their lines at either end of the pitch. A lot. The first three goals they let in were ridiculous. And they missed a couple of very, very presentable chances in, in that in that opening period. So They missed them awfully, by the I way. I think in both yeah, legs they did. Honestly, yeah. it's not ridiculous to say that they could have had six or seven across both ties. Yeah. They missed a lot of chances over both legs. And this is the thing. Young team, I think they've been brilliant. Don't get me wrong, I've waxed lyrical about them. I think they're fantastic. Touch naive, lack that little bit of ruthless edge, I think, which they're going to. They're a young team. They, you know, this, it's still blinding lights to them a little bit. I've got the sense of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was. Rabbit caught in the headlights. Yeah. Well, are you telling me if Bayern come up against Liverpool with that same approach, wide open, that Salah, Mane... <laughs> Lewis Diaz even Mbappe Joker. if he was still in the competition yeah yeah yeah. Uh, basically the, the, the top level teams um, you, you know, Benzema who we spoke about um, these teams 
are going to punish Bayern if they if they stay that open. Of course they are, and they will put six or seven on. Salzburg didn't, but the Real Madrids, the Liverpools, they will punish you when it gets to the business end. You you reckon Bayern could get beaten six by six? They could e no, no they could easily concede that oh, across, right. across both legs. You they, reckon? I reckon they could e- they could easily face a Liverpool in the the next round or whoever, and it could it could e- the aggregate could be easily like six four. Seven four, something like that. It really, really could. It's that if they play that way, if they don't shut up too much more, they need to shut up a little bit. I think you know, play it a bit more safer. Then they will get taken apart by some teams. It's not even the defense, is it? That they've they've got a, yeah. they've got one too many attackers in midfield. Basically, you look you look at it, and it's what a front six. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's it's a, when you when you when you've got Gnabry and when you've got Coman playing as as wing, wing backs. backs. Yeah. And then the thing that surprised me, well, not surprised me because he's done it a lot recently. The thing that I, I wonder if it's a bit of stubbornness by Julian Nagelsmann at this point. I think um, in midfield next to Kimmich, you need Mark Rocker at the moment. Someone who's a bit more steady. See, you know, I'm going to agree with that. I love Rocker. I think he's, a, I think he's amazing. Yeah, player, I might so, be slightly yeah. pandering to you there. But, but like when you've got Jamal Musiala next to him, I don't see the point in that. You've got so yeah. many attacking players in the team already. What does Musiala like to do? He likes to lead. He likes to get the ball. He likes to dribble past players. What happens when you dribble past players? Well, one, it doesn't always come off. <laughs> Two, when you lose the ball, there's space behind you. Yeah. There's Kimmich and the back three doing a lot of heavy lifting yeah. in that. And I think that was apparent in the opening stages, which now obviously people have completely forgotten because Bayern subsequently blew them away. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's more to Irish history than St. Patrick. And Shane Todd and Hazel Hayes are here to tell you all about it on We're Not Fucking Historians, the Irish history podcast with a few facts and plenty of crack, like the legendary Irish warrior, Coo Cullen. Some sources say he killed a dog by driving a hurling stone down its throat. Now, he's six. Hazel, did someone say the naughty step? 
Jesus, someone, someone went to bed without <laughs> supper, didn't they? Someone <laughs> called Super Nanny because he's at it again. Or Ned Kelly, Australia's infamous Irish-born bush ranger. Punishment was imprisonment with or without hard labour. I'd, I'd prefer without. If possible. Yeah. Like, if it's going. Do you, have, do you have any without hard labour? Yeah. Can I have the without labour substitute, please? Can, can, I, I, get, can I get the hard labour on the side? Can I get almond um, <laughs> instead of hard labour, please? Search We're Not Historians. That's We're Not Historians in your favourite podcast app for weekly episodes every Tuesday. Let's see what these people have said about it. Amazing. The Times. <laughs> Whoa. New York Times. A lot of times. <laughs> Great, Hazel herself. We're not fucking historians. Is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. It's time, gentlemen, to talk about, well, it, everybody's favourite young genius in football, at least my favourite, and I am everybody in this conversation. Ciao, Felix. We've waited for him to be back after injury uh, to what he can really, really do. It seems like he's back. Uh, Diego Simeone is nevertheless on his case. And uh, Simeone reckons, uh, oh, he'll thank me for it, you know, uh, when he's a little bit older, he'll thank old Uncle Diego for his input. The question is, will he? Uh, Andy, do you want to take this first? Um, Yeah. I'm I'm not sure if he is going to in the near future. (laughs) I I think before we get to that, Don, we have to concentrate. I know he's... He's one of your favourites. So let's just dwell on the fact that in recent weeks, Joao Felix has been fantastic. Mm. And it has made something click for Atletico. There's no doubt about it. Because you look at the resources they've got. And last season, Atletico, okay, they weren't as good in the second half of the season as, as, as they were in the first. But for most of the season, Atletico have a plan. For most of this season, they've simply felt like a collection of players high-class players, but I've had the feeling for most of this season that Simeone has had very little idea of what his best eleven is and certainly no idea of what his best front line is. Now, I think the Manchester United first half, and we can see if they can take it into the second leg at Old Trafford, but the first half at Manchester United is maybe a turning point for the season Mm -hmm. because they go out there with the two strikers that they should have been starting all along in Angel Correa, who like gives so much. He's incredible. And very one of the underrated players in European football. And Joao Felix, who can play that central striker role. And, you know, we, we talked about it at the time. That header is the sort against United is the sort of goal he should be scoring all along. And the sort of goal he's capable of scoring all along. Yes, he can drop and dribble round players, but he can also score those headers in the penalty box for you. Now, to, to have a pair like him who are, forget Griezmann, Cunha, Luis Suarez, who they will let go at the end of the season and I think has accepted he's going to go at the end of the season. They are now playing their best two strikers. That makes an enormous difference. And Joao Felix, David, at the weekend at Betis, it was a game they really needed to win and he showed up. Yeah, I think... Atleti haven't got a player like him. I don't think Simeone has ever had a player like him as well, even come close to him. Maybe the 
lovely Diego, Brazilian Diego, was probably the closest to him in terms of oh, skill set, yeah. you know? Yeah. That kind of high technical skill set, you know, and little else in terms of physical quality, uh, physical strength or anything like that. And I think Simeone has found it very, very difficult to to manage him. Um, perhaps Why? Just because of the uniqueness of his of his skill set and what yeah, he's you'd like. have thought that was a gift to somebody like Simeone. Yeah, you, you you would in a way, but I think but I think Simeone's become so used to a certain type of player, and then he had, you know, you, you know, you look at somebody like Griezmann as well. You, you know, he he molded him into a, a certain type of player as well, and there was there was there were signs of it there that he could potentially be molded into a, a, a complete, a more rounded um, attacking midfielder, midfielder. Um, but with Zhao, I don't think. I think the thing that they wanted to mould him into, I don't think he can. I think they have to play to his strengths. I think it's something that Aleti haven't done is play to a particular type of individual strengths because they've always been about the team unit. But I think for Zhao Felix... The talent demands it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I think you make compensation for it with Zhao Felix. I think you say, OK, he's special. We have to do this. And I think the results are there when you do let him be Zhao Felix it's incredible it changes everything it gives it letty it makes them look a completely different team I think the interesting thing in the relationship between Joao Felix and, and, and Simeone which has not been perfect by the admission of both men mm-hmm. is I think Simeone's met a kind of match with him really because you talked about Griezmann there before and how he's able to mould him Griezmann was always a workaholic of a player, so he was quite ripe for Simeone to meet him halfway. Yeah. He was like ready to be moulded into a Simeone player, I, I, I think. And you know that 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 is what has made him such a key player for Atletico, certainly in his first spell. And we've seen a, a few little snatches of it. I still feel he could be very, very useful to them. Anyway, I think with Joao Felix, he's not just an extraordinary talent who demands a team should be built around him. He's actually someone who's very, very strong-minded. And that's something that the the two philosophies of him and Simeone have kind of butted up against each other. You think of Simeone as like the unmatchable alpha. But in his own way, Joao Felix is just as strong-minded. I think you go back to when he's at Benfica. That first season, the first season that he's in the first team all the time under under Bruno Lage. The first classical uh, away at the drag out against Porto, Pepe targets him and he thinks, right, you may f- think you're going to come here and run the game. You're not. I'm going to kick you out of this game. <laughs> Pepe's got a line in there, hasn't he? He, he knows cer- what he's doing. He certainly does. <laughs> he's, he's dirty and he's cunning. He cannot kick Joao Felix out of the, 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 the game. Joao Felix goes, oh, all right, try your best. You will not be able to do that. He stands up to him. I think you go forward to Atletico. The first time that... I think it's the first time that um, Atletico played Barcelona when he's there. And João Felix and Messi kind of clash in midfield. Messi says something to him and he turns around and he's right up in his face. Now, it's a very different challenge mm-hmm. to... Pepe, of course, because it's a physical challenge. But he's going up to the best player in the world, possibly the best player of all time. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah, <laughs> And that is part of Joao Felix. And then when, uh, you know, he, d- he did that interview with, uh, I think it was The Athletic that was done before Christmas, published a couple of weeks ago. And um, 
He, he said, well, I, uh, João Felix goes, I know what the problem is with Atletico, but I don't want to talk about it here. And then <laughs> fast forward a week in the press conference and Simeone's going, well, all right, if you do know the problem, maybe you should tell it to me. Maybe you should tell it to me. It's like, how have you managed to get a rise out of him? It's incredible. He is a huge personality, yeah, and that is part of the issue. It's, it's taken a lot. I think it's taken a lot of people back, and I know some of the Atleti fans are also taken aback by it as well, because they're kind of like, "Who the hell is this kid?" To think <laughs> he can't come into Simeone Towers and start to own the place and start to say, "Oh, we we, we should decorate it like this. This is what we do, should do." Do you have sympathy for that position, even though he's the man that has made the difference over the last few weeks? For yeah, I I, I do. I I understand it. It can't because look. And look, João Felix isn't blameless in all this. I will say this. He's had runs like this before. Now, the thing that Simeone wants, the thing that Atleti fans want, is pure consistency from him. Because so far, his Atleti career, I think he's, honestly, I think he's, I think he's been underrated about how well he's done. That's that ridiculous fee, I think, makes people look a certain way at him. First half of last season, he's amazing. Oh, I remember being on here and I was said, <laughs> oh, you know, he is the best player in Europe right now. That is exactly when I got sold on this kid because it was like mm. watching the best player in your school at natural talent, at all the skills, yeah. all the technical skills and everything. And he looked like he was enjoying it. And I thought at that age, if you're enjoying it, you know, the, the anecdote you've just given about Messi mm. or Pepe, if you're enjoying it that much, yeah. that you're going to talk and speak in the face of Messi, then I think you've got a big future ahead of you, mate. Exactly. It's like Andy says, he's, he is, he's very strong minded. He's, he's not a stat padder. He's not going to play and look at his column and, and say, oh, this is how many numbers. No, he's going to play his own game. He's going to go on the game and, and freestyle it, essentially. And he's like, right, I want to do it this way. I'm going to do it my way. And I admire that for somebody, so young, for somebody it's, it's, so young. It's, it, is, it is quite tricky. And they basically, they're working out that they need each other, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Simeone and Joao Felix. Mm. Because you're talking about a, a slight difference in outlook between... Arguably the most important history in the figure of uh, the, uh, the important his, most important historical figure in the history of the club mm-hmm. in Simeone and certainly well Luis Aragonés yeah, obviously yeah. but yeah. but certainly in the in the modern era he has transformed Atletico from an also ran into a European mm-hmm. elite club and then the player who could if if he hits that consistency that David's talking about, you're talking about arguably the best player in the history of the club. Yeah, yeah, really. If he really, really hits those heights, he can't. And and look, I've said this about him before as well. I think he's the one player right now playing football anywhere with the skill set as close to Messi. I'm not saying he's going to reach Messi's level. No, of course, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is the skill sets are very, very similar. And so is the execution. You look at how they play. It's quite stunning in terms of when you see some of Felix's action, especially the, some of the little um, teardrop passes, the ones you can just dip over. Yeah. But yeah. you think, how the hell does he manage to angle that right? And Zhao Felix can do it. And the skills, the protecting of the ball as well with his body and just kind of slithering away from challenges and such. He's got a lot in comparison with Messi. So it's going to be interesting to see it's about consistency. I don't want to get on Griezmann to end this section, but it really pissed me off. The fact that he won the ball back and Joao against Betis, Joao Felix like knocks it over Claudio Bravo from 40 yards <laughs> would have been the perfect hat-trick goal. It's not Griezmann's fault. I think it was a harsh foul, but I guess it's where they are at the moment, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. 
There are, as ever, questions for you both. And feel free, Mm -hmm. if you're listening, to text us or tweet us or get in touch through social media. Uh, The address is at Football Ramble, of course, at Dotson Adebayo, at Andy Brassel and at David Jacker, with a C. A question from Sean. In Trabzon for the week and have decided to stay an extra day uh, for their match at the weekend. It looks like they're about to win their first title in decades. How big a deal is this then? How big? A massive big deal because uh, Trabzon are possibly the most fanatically supported club out of Istanbul. Um because it's been a long time since they last won the title. It's been a generation since they last won the title. And because they feel it would be justice. They feel they should have had the 2011 title, which Fenerbahce won on goal difference. And they're still screwing over it 10 years later. Yeah. And uh, not not just them, but other sections of, of, of Turkish football, of course. Fenerbahce were accused of, of match-fixing and found guilty of match fixing around that time. A a verdict that was later repealed. But the fact is they always felt that should have been their title. And um, so really they've been looking to do something since then. They've spent on some big players since then and never quite find the the, the blend. Um, Now, in terms of the coach, in terms of the players... They've found something pretty good. Obviously, the struggles of Fenerbahce, Galatasaray and Bajiktas, the champions, are really helping them this season. But still, they've been absolutely relentless. The pace they've set has been incredible. They've responded present in all the big games. Even last weekend against uh, Fenerbahce, where they're playing 10 men for a really long time, they lost their lead and they got a bit of a going over. Um, that uh, Certainly for the first 70 minutes, they managed to keep their composure away in the Sukhru Sarakolu. And I think those experienced players that they've brought in, you add to the fact that they brought in Edin Vishka, who has recently won the title with with, with Bajik Shahir, has really helped as, as well. They are going to win the title this season. There's, there's no doubt about it. And um, yeah, stay for the party, I reckon. Here's one for you, David. This is from Chris. A question I've wondered about, you know, I'm from North London, <clears throat> the other side. How come Aubameyang has uh, bedded in so quickly at Barcelona? Did he score a hat-trick the mm. other day or so? Mm-hmm. Um, when it seemed like even the likes of Xavi, who's now his coach, wasn't impressed or at least didn't think he would fit in at Barcelona. How come he's done it so well? I think they've been crying out for an Aubameyang type for years. Years and years. I really, really do. I think the way that they play uh, Barcelona, I think, you, you know, the way that they stretch teams now, um, the style of players they got in terms of the wing backs as well. Um, and they fire a lot of shots as well. But there's never been anyone kind of running in to, to take those opportunities to, to pounce on that space. Um, Aubameyang is exactly that type of striker um, to, to, to do that. And I don't think they've not really had anyone like that since... I want to say Samuel Leto, you know, 
yeah. that, that type of player who can just mm. who can just pounce a, po- a, Samuel, po- a poacher, a ruthless finisher. Samuel Eto'o, who had the lumbago when he went to Chelsea, <laughs> the old man's lumbago. <laughs> <laughs> but no, on a serious yeah. note, and we talked about this before when Aubameyang went to Barcelona, mm. uh, about how the fact that his mother uh, was Spanish, or mm. at least speaks Spanish, and he knows the landscape. Yeah, you know, he knows there's the a lot culture, when it comes though. to fit in. You know, uh, was it the late Jose Antonio Reyes who didn't fit in at Arsenal because, you know, he missed his mum's cooking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of thing? And I'm, I'm not being facetious about this. I'm saying generally there's a lot of sensitive things that go into play when you're going to fit in like this. No, absolutely. I think the, the cultural aspect of things is really, really important. I don't think there's as much pressure right now at Barcelona either. I think he's arrived at a good time. Messi isn't there. Xavi's still cutting his teeth. Um, you know, the the fans are forgiven with him if things, you know, if there's an odd mistake here and there. I think, you know, if Alba misses a few chances, I don't think anyone's going to be down his neck. And he's going to get a lot of chances as well. And I think, you know, more often than not, it'll, it'll bury them. And yeah, so I think it's I think he's arrived at Barcelona at a good time. All the signs have been really good. Adam Atreore as well has been fantastic. Time for a game of the week from each of you gentlemen, if you don't mind, with a food pairing, of course. So we have to have something to uh, eat as well whilst we're watching. Do you want to kick off first? Sandy, you got something for us? Yeah, I reckon Sunday lunchtime, uh, midday, Paris Saint-Germain versus Bordeaux, because the Paris Saint-Germain fans are going to let their players know exactly how unhappy they are with them. The Ultras groups are already arranging some uh, protests mainly against the players and against Leonardo. It looks like Mauricio Pochettino will largely escape criticism um, because it's, of course, been a recurring mentality, this um, falling down in big knockout games in in Europe. Um, And they're playing Bordeaux, who are another big name of uh, the French top flight, bottom of the table, Bordeaux, at the moment, who have a good new coach in David Guillon. I don't know if they've left it a little too late uh, to appoint him. But if Bordeaux can make it difficult, and Guillon is very good at organising a defence, um, that would obviously increase the ire of the locals. So it it could be it could be interesting. I, I, I mean, it, I, I don't know. I think Fruy de Mer because Bordeaux's on the coast, isn't it? Do, uh, oh do, do, yeah, yeah. But I I think revenge is a, a best a dish best served cold. <laughs> so. I think maybe a bit of stark steak tartare could be in order <laughs> for this occasion. And there were other cold choices as well. Um, David, game of the week. Yeah, I'm going for Sunday um, as well. Quarter past three. Real Betis, host and athletic Bilbao. God, you're going to be full up after this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you haven't heard my food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Betis, they've lost the last two games. You know, they took a bad defeat in the derby against Sevilla. Mm-hmm. They went and lost to Atletico Madrid, as we spoke of here, and they took a defeat last night as well in the Europa League against Eintracht Frankfurt at home. They need to recover um, and quickly, and I think to get their confidence back, they need to beat a team who I think, you know, who are wanting to be where they are in Athletic Bilbao, who if they win, then they really close the gap and they put some pressure on those uh, top four Places, top six places as well. Um, so Sounds I think it's, like a Spanish omelette. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan. <laughs> really? Yeah, I've always, That's the first Spanish food I've ever I've, I've always annoyed <laughs> Spanish people and English alike with his opinion, but I just don't really, really get it. What, the onion or no onion? That's the answer that everyone really wants just to ask the question. None of it at all. None of it. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> not of it at all. So yeah, um, to so get the controversial takes on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, yeah, not even the football. Um, so for food, I'm going with uh, gambas al ajo, garlic oh. shrimp, basically. Oh, okay. Beautiful, beautiful and dish. Served cold or? No, hot, hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have it hot. Nice glass of white wine. So much for Chef's revenge, eh? And a tear at this time of year. Come on. <laughs> Football Ramble Presents is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.